Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we've got exclusive interviews from the WWE Performance Center with Shinsuke Nakamura, Carmella, and Shayna Baszler. We'll talk about the announcement of WWE Crown Jewel from Saudi Arabia, the return of Brock Lesnar, completely break down Hell in a Cell, only a couple of weeks away from Super Showdown. We got a lot to talk about, so let's get into it. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. It's been a busy one. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Busy week, busy, busy week, and you get to reap the rewards of all of it this week. Uh, Here on Not Sam Wrestling, as well as over for the Not Sam Shells on Patreon, exclusive content, all coming from the Performance Center. This week on Not Sam Wrestling, I'm so excited. Last week, Stu Bennett, I thought, was great. I didn't get to promote that podcast the way I usually promote these podcasts just because I've been so all over the place. So I don't know if there was a, like an official Twitter post. The episode went up late on YouTube all over the place. So if you haven't, for any reason, if you didn't get to hear the interview with Stu Bennett, uh, formerly known as Wade Barrett, make sure that you check that out on last week's episode. And of course... Um, I, I redid the top 10 list, the top 10 faction list that WWE put out, the very, very controversial list that they put out a couple weeks ago. I gave you my list of top 10 factions last week on the podcast, so go back and listen to last week's podcast if you missed it. Maybe I'll post that video of the top 10 factions just so everybody can see it because there was some controversy, and I'll get into that here on Not Sam Wrestling this week. But first and foremost... It's, of course, the interviews. Um, I was down at the Performance Center, actually, a week ago. If you download this show the day it comes out, I was at the Performance Center a week ago today. So 2K Games sent out uh, a whole bunch of us, probably about 30 of us, down to the Performance Center to see uh, everything that was going on with the WWE and to talk about everything that was going on with the new video game, WWE 2K19. Like a week before we were going down, just got an email saying, hey, Sam, would you want to come to a 2K event at the Performance Center in Orlando, check out, get a tour of the place, get to play the game, do interviews, blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah. You know, the whole point of Not Sam Wrestling is to provide the ultimate wrestling fan podcast experience. So I said, not everybody's going to get this email. So I would love to go down to the Performance Center, get as much as I can out of it, and report back to you, share that access with you. And so that's what uh, this week and next week will be all about. We got a whole bunch of interviews, two podcasts worth. So uh, we will be playing some of those this week uh, and some of those next week. Um, And I'm really, really excited about it. First of all, I got to be hands-on with WWE 2K19. And it's awesome. I play these games every year. I get them every year. From the SmackDown versus Raw days, I mean... I think the first, so I even had like the the Nintendo games, the WWE Nintendo games. The first game that I remember being super, super excited about, I was going to say was In Your House for the first PlayStation. But I remember before that, I think the first wrestling video game that I was super excited about was probably Raw is War for Sega Genesis. That was the first game where you could go outside the ring and they had foreign objects. You could hit people with a chair or a bucket. Um, that was the first game that I think the first game that there was a female character in Luna Vachon, 
was in that game. Uh, there was Battle Royal mode, so you could have all kinds of characters, and it was all characters from, like, the 94, 95 era of WWE. Uh, I, I loved Roy's War for Sega Genesis, but I've pretty much bought every game since then. In Your House, WrestleMania the Arcade game, I think you would reverse the order of those two. Um... You know, SmackDown, I think, was the next series of games, was the SmackDown series. Of course, the N64 games. Let's not let's not forget to mention uh, when THQ lost the WCW license and picked up the WWE license. And what started as WCW uh, NWO Revenge became first WrestleMania 2000. And then arguably, I have this argument with people, maybe the best wrestling game of all time no way out for N64. My preference was WrestleMania 2000, but I think most people's preference was no way out for N64. I mean, people just love that game. For me, and maybe it was because it was the first wrestling game I ever played on N64, WrestleMania 2000 just has a, a place in my heart. And really, it's because that game engine, WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy, was one of the funnest wrestling video game engines uh, of all time, in the sense that it wasn't necessarily about career mode or create a superstar or pay-per-view this or that or whatever. It was just the funnest game to be able to pick up, throw into exhibition mode. One of the few wrestling games that I was able to play for months and months and months, if not years, simply in exhibition mode. Funnest game to play on two-player. It was awesome. SmackDown starts coming out around the PlayStation 2 era. Then it went into Raw versus SmackDown, uh, and then it went into the to WWE 2018 or 2016, WWE 15, whatever it was, into the 2K era, which is where we are now. And I've got them. I mean, you know, if I went through all my stuff, I'm sure I could find discs for most of these games that have come out. I've got them all, and you know, you upgrade every year and you you figure out if there's much of a difference. And I will tell you. I got to be hands-on with 2K19, and I actually felt a difference. It felt different from 2K18. Like, this year, it's actually it's a funner game to play. I played, uh, I had Hot Dog with me in Orlando, you know, my, uh, my young boy, Hot Dog. And we played an Iron Man match, we played a ladder match, we played Last Man Standing, we played regular. I beat him every single time, all of them. And he tried to make excuses, like, well, it's because blah, 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 it's because this, it's because that. I beat him in every match type. I beat him with Brock Lesnar. I beat him with Robert Gibson. You know, I beat him across the board without issue. But I was having a good time the entire time, and it didn't feel like I was playing a polished version of the old game. There was all this stuff that they threw in, like a zombie Triple H and a, a big head mode is real. I don't know if you guys know about this. I, I, the first time I remember Big Head Mode was in like NBA Jam. But you can actually turn on Big Head Mode and have superstars competing with heads that are like the same size as their bodies. Just massive heads. And it's an amazingly fun mode to play because you get to see all the detail in the facial expressions of these guys and girls. So that was fun. Um, so many superstars. And I'll tell you, and I was looking at like the uh, the DLC content announcement. And at first, I'm like super excited, right? Because I'm sitting there going, I, you get to play a game because of all the WWE signings. You get to play a game now. Who would have thought a couple of years ago, you get to play a 2K game 
with the War Raiders, with Ricochet, with Leo Rush, with EC3, you know, with every with Gargano's in it. Everybody, all these recent signings are all in it. For the life of me, I don't know why Chomp is not in it. I have to imagine that there's going to be some kind of announcement of some kind of content bundle that Chomp is in because everything that I've seen, like, you know, I don't remember, you know, obviously I didn't play with as every character at the Performance Center, but I don't specifically remember him being on the menu unless he was and I just skipped over him. I don't think I ever played as Chomp. I didn't see him in my mind's eye. Um, And he hasn't been announced and he's not announced on the downloadable content unless he's like a secret character there's something there has to be something up with Champa being in the game because I don't think that there's been an official statement from 2k on it I didn't get one anyway and uh he wasn't announced in the downloadable content uh, announcement this week so I I don't know what the deal is but certainly I would feel like the game is incomplete without Tommaso Champa. um but there's a lot of fun stuff you can play and we did once you can play at the Wyatt compound like, that's what you can do, like, backstage brawl. And instead of just being like, oh, do you want to do it in the parking lot or the locker room? You could also decide to do it at the Wyatt compound, you know, where they did, like, the New Day versus the Wyatt family. All kinds of stuff. And I know, like, what Hot Dog did was he played as Matt Hardy at the Wyatt compound and in his little imagination made pretend like it was the Hardy compound. So, so much stuff. And, and, and I can't wait to see what the final, final version of this game is like once it finally comes out uh, on October 9th for PS4 and Xbox and all that stuff. So I'm very, very excited about uh, having it in my home and getting to play it as much as I want. But that was one of the topics of conversations when we talked to some of the people that we talked to at the Performance Center. So we go into the Performance Center and uh, we get a tour from Coach Amato, Sarah Amato, and Coach Matt Bloom, head coach Bloom. Um, and and they, get to sh- they show us around. We walk in. We go into the big, the big meeting room where they have this amazing, huge, solid steel two-ton table that stretches across the room with fluorescent lights and like cage, chain link cage wall ceiling in this amazing room that we're in, this giant room where they get together and, and, and had these big meetings and monitors and everything. And he starts talking about all the spots that they have for watching tape and how valuable they find uh, watching video of matches is with coaches so they can point out the details of what's going on in these matches. Then we get to go back and we get to see the the medical room, you know, that's super, super state-of-the-art and giant where people go either with serious injuries or light injuries or just training or whatever. Just, just you know, the, the top-of-the-line sports medical room that they have there we get to see what was really interesting for me the commentary room where they go and they can record commentary to monitor um for any show you can imagine and michael cole actually can tap into the room from his house so he can help train the announcers of tomorrow or the young announcers or whatever from his home and i know that tom phillips does a lot of that too now um and is there in Orlando and ends up, I'm sure, in that uh, commentary room. I saw the the green screen room where wrestlers can go in and, and practice promos and, and come up with characters and do all kinds of stuff, just shoot promos until they're blue in the face. Uh, the giant gym, of course, where everybody's training. You know, when I was there, I mean, this is really Lars Sullivan and Johnny Gargano and, and, and uh, uh, Zelina Vega and all these people, uh, Kyle O'Reilly. 
all training in this gym. This is really where the superstars train. And uh, then, of course, we go into the main room where they have like seven rings set up, practice going on in all of them, different practices, different rings do different things. There's a one ring that's specific for practicing aerial moves. There's the, the, the one ring over here. It's just an amazing, amazing place. So we get to see this whole tour. And then we sit down, and they put on this three-match show for us where we've got, uh, I think the, the headline was uh, Cassius Ono versus Stacy. Uh, I don't remember Stacy's last name. I followed him on Instagram recently because I was very impressed with him. I followed him on Instagram over the week, but it was his first match ever, and he got to have this match. It was uh, The Mighty versus the Street Profits. Lacey Evans had a match. It was really it was really an amazing thing to watch these people perform for like the 30 of us media types that had been flown in to watch this stuff. They put on a great show and then we spent the rest of the day interviewing superstars as well as getting our hands on this game. Now I will tell you for the people that are not Sam Shills, for you that are signed up at patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling, I was, you know, using my iPhone to take some video of this tour that we got at the Performance Center. So the superstars and Hall of Fame level shills at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, they were promised bonus video. There's already a bonus video up of Joey Janela hanging out with Lila Garrity, the Labradoodle, here in the Not Sam studio. I'm posting another video today, unless it was already posted yesterday, of the tour of the Performance Center. So that Performance Center tour is going up for the Not Sam Shills on Patreon, as well as, of course, all the videos from the interviews that we play today. Uh, the podcast goes up early and ad-free. Uh, there, there's bonus shows that go up at least two, three, four times a month. All kinds of stuff going on over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. To me, it's very important that this show stays independent. It doesn't become part of a big conglomerate. It doesn't become part of a big network. It's just us doing what we do and the way we do that and continue to create content and continue to build the community and, and continue to flood people into the Not Sam Wrestling Discord room that's super, super active all the time. In fact, it's a place that I went this week to try to find or, or to ask uh, ideas for what people want to hear about in the state of wrestling. Uh, the way we do that is through you guys signing up and becoming Not Sam Shills over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. So you'll be able to check out all this content first right over there. But we're going to get into the interviews now. The interviews taped at the Performance Center. And we start with a guy who I was kind of shocked when I realized first time on Not Sam Wrestling, first time on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, he is the current WWE United States Champion. He was hanging out at the Performance Center as part of this 2K19 event. He is the one and only. I can't believe he's on the podcast. If you had told me, it's just so cool. Shinsuke Nakamura. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. We're at the Performance Center with Shinsuke Nakamura. It's 2K19 day. Shinsuke, what's the haps? Uh, That's his U.S. title. Yeah. On the, my name, on the... <laughs> is that, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, is that Japanese? Because yeah, yeah. I can't really read yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, you can, oh, you can see this. <laughs> right, right, it's just the shine, but there's a glare yeah, in the yeah. camera, that's all, that's all that is. Well, welcome, did you spend a lot of time in the Performance Center? Yes, When you came to NXT, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, 2016, I joined uh, yeah, NXT, that uh, the, almost every day I came here. 
yeah, to take class, like a lot of class, like a, uh, so I was uh, in, uh, uh, oh, yeah, you still yeah, yeah, so like uh, in the gym, also the class, like uh, watching the, uh, my match, also other wrestlers match, also uh, I did promo class here, yeah. Entrance, PC show. Wow. Yeah. Which is kind of amazing, and I don't think people would 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 think that that would happen because yeah. obviously you'd had a, a hugely successful career before you got here. Mm -hmm. Your entrances were already famous. Yeah. Your your charisma was already famous. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. were there what what at the performance center mm -hmm. were you able to add to what you already knew how to do? Yeah, cause uh, <clears throat> so moving from Japan with family is kind of like a huge things. Things to do a lot, like I need to get like a uh, social security, need to <laughs> get like a driver's license, uh, like a, also uh, so need to find a school and uh, apartment, so things to do a lot. So if I became like a just directly to main roster, yeah. no time, right? Oh, right, because you'd be on the road all the time, yeah, you don't yeah, have yeah. time to just stay here and put your roots yeah, down. Yeah. So, uh, so NXT schedule like a weekend, like a Sunday. So every Sunday is off. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe I I got like a Sunday off first time in my career. Right. Because yeah. It's not like you'd had a light career, yeah, a light yeah, schedule yeah. before this. So I felt like a like a regular. So I felt like a, I'm doing like a. Regular job, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. weekends and yeah. yeah. like, you know, so like uh, so I could go to the school uh -huh. for like a uh, like a looking like a, my daughter's stuff and yeah. so in, uh, I went to the class. So just one year I spent uh, time in NXT, but uh, that one year was awesome yeah. experience for me. Yeah. yeah, especially in your personal life and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Do you, I mean, is that the fact that you had to uproot your whole life, right, and change your whole lifestyle? Yeah. Do you tell WWE, like, look, I'm very interested in being a part of the WWE, mm -hmm. but this can't be for two years. This has to be long-term, because yeah. it's not like we can all move here, yeah, yeah, yeah. change our entire life, get it, and then move back to, like, moving back to Japan would be a, a colossal pain yeah. in any kind of short term. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, I've, not enough. So I, I want to spend uh, so my life, my time mm -hmm. uh, here. Yeah. So so I I I don't feel like uh, I don't achieve yet. Right. Yeah. Right. So I need to like uh, prove myself more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just just maybe a uh, fifteen percent of me. You, you've only shown 15 percent, yeah. or you need to. Okay. So you got an 85 yeah, percent improvement yeah. that needs to go. Yes. All right. Well, when do we start seeing this 85 percent? Yeah. That's so, why you need all the time, yeah, right? It takes a long time. So to, I took time. I took. I took a lot of time uh, to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So like a WWE, like a TV wise and the house show wise, and kind of this. How to say like a. Kind of uh, like the style. Uh, no, yeah, not only style, but like a kind of platform. 
Yes, yes, yeah. yeah, you had to adjust to the platform of what yeah. what it was that you were doing. Yeah, because I guess people don't really realize that WWE, there's wrestling mm -hmm. and there's WWE, and that's a completely, it's a yeah, different yeah. product, right? Also, yeah, NXT and uh, <clears throat> like a kind of SmackDown and WoW, mm -hmm. much, much different. So you get to Smack, you get to, you get to the main roster. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I learned a lot in yeah, NXT, yeah, yeah. but there's now I got a whole other yeah, learning yeah. curve yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to work with. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. But also, still like changing a lot. Maybe uh, NXT changed a lot. So with uh, when wrestling at an NXT. Uh -huh. So yeah, now uh, a lot of new like a newcomer and also new like indie stars coming over. Yeah. Also more. Uh, Asians, uh, Europeans, more international wise, then everybody go to the. So, also, like a curriculum, like a schedule yeah, yeah, of yeah. NXT was changed. Oh, I see. Yeah. The curriculum. Yeah, yeah, yeah curriculum. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. So, so, everything's different. Yeah, everything different. Do yeah. you feel like when, when you started doing the, the heel stuff that you've kind of been doing since WrestleMania, mm -hmm. that you started to kind of figure out more how to personality oh. and connect and do all that because there was definitely I mean I think yeah, 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 and yeah. You, you can feel it I'm sure a change in not only you but the way people perceive mm. you after so, WrestleMania yeah, yeah. so mm, I like changing yeah yeah cause uh, so mm, also uh, so uh, how, how do you say so what should I explain about that uh, yeah kind of so, in wrestling, also in uh, kind of entertainment, so most important things is like a giving impression. So that like a changing to the heels uh, gave a huge like a huge impact mm -hmm. uh, at the WrestleMania. So. I'm also now I feel comfortable. Yeah. So as here. Yeah. Because uh, I can show like a detail of my personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. totally. And it doesn't, you know, that low blow. Yeah, right, right. I mean, it's easy for you to do. You're not going to hurt yourself to low blow anymore, right? <laughs> There's very little risk. Yeah, it's yeah. a great finisher. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and it is synonymous, too, with being a bad guy. If anybody's like, oh, what's Shinsuke up to? The minute you do the oh, low my. blow, it's like, okay, oh, now my. we know, boo, <laughs> boo, we don't like yeah. him. Um, does being in a video, are you a video game guy? Uh, I mean, I don't think a guy like you has that much time to play video games, but yeah. maybe you do. I don't know. Uh, I love to spend the time at the uh, nature. You like out, you like surfing. Yeah, surfing. Yeah. You ended up friends with James Ellsworth over surfing. Right? Uh, <laughs> actually, I never, I've never seen his like surfing. You've never uh, seen. Yeah, yeah. So we, so we, so we, at the Hawaii. Uh -huh. So we went to go surfing. Yeah. At the same beach. Uh -huh. Okay. See you on the water. I couldn't find him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Shane, what's up? Okay, okay, let's see. <laughs> but I never see the kids like standing on the board. Do the kid? Do your kids like video games, uh, or are they nature people too? Uh, both. Because yeah. I would, I would imagine, you know, not only coming to the states is going to change your whole perspective on yeah. anything, but now for the first time, seeing your dad yeah. as a character in these video games, we're watching one of your entrance over there on one uh -huh. of the screens right now. That's got to be a pretty wild trip. 
especially for the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, mm, yeah, I played a video game a lot when I was a kid. You did. Yeah, a lot of like inspiration from the video games and like uh, even uh, like a kind of how to say like a, uh, making the strategy of wrestling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I played a lot of wrestling video games, but uh, I didn't touch. I did. I didn't touch like a video game, long time. Right. Maybe now like a new school video, like a wrestling video game, and maybe too complicated <laughs> to yeah. play. A lot of buttons. Yeah. A lot of buttons. A lot of, a lot of combinations. Yeah. Hey, imagine like a like a Famicom, like a <laughs> fast Nintendo. Yeah. Just two buttons, A and B. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, how many? <laughs> <laughs> Just forward, backward, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, B, that's it. Yeah. Do you so. have a Do you have a, a favorite opponent that you've had in WWE? Because I mean, people look forward to different things, and that's part of the excitement of you being here. It was like you know, working WrestleMania with AJ yeah, yeah. Styles was something fans wanted to see for a long time. But you working with John Cena was yeah. like, that's one of those matches that yeah, like you yeah. never think is going to happen. Like, yeah, do you have yeah. a Do you have a favorite? Ah, uh, favorite opponent? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> so like if like start story, almost every day wrestle with same opponent, right? Mm -hmm. So that's uh, makes like a, uh, that makes like a feeling like a, every every wrestler is my favorite. Now I love to wrestle with Jeff Hardy. Right, because yeah. that's what you're doing right yeah. now, and you just keep getting better and yeah, better. Yeah, getting better and better. Better, and yeah. better. Also, uh, so getting better which means i understand like what he thinking mm -hmm. what, what, what he feeling so that's why uh getting so yeah i i like the wrestle with everybody right yeah Dolph ziggler aj styles uh, john cena and uh, randy Orton. <laughs> yeah. still more right right yeah. right right did you like the uh the theme music change i kind of thought the theme music change was brilliant because it's still a cool theme, but people yeah. can't sing along anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Butter. So, <clears throat> I I talked with Vince. Uh huh. Yeah. So why? So he changed the music, uh -huh. put on the raps. Right. Yeah. Japanese raps. <laughs> yeah. So even 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 me, yeah. I'm Japanese, but some like lyrics couldn't understand. Right. Yeah. But uh, mm, so Vince's idea was awesome. So, so you became a hero. So you, so so people uh, can like uh, along with me. You can't sing along. Yeah, yeah, yeah sing yeah. along with me. So, but there's still like a audience try to sing. Yeah, 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 yeah. They do. <laughs> some some like uh, some people some audience try to uh, remember the lyrics of uh -huh. Japanese rap. That was. You don't even know. That. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay, you won. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you deserve this. Yeah, you yeah. can, you can yeah. sing along, no problem. Yes. Well, uh, uh, Shinsuke, it's fun to watch your success, and I'm, I'm, I'm loving this incarnation that we're seeing of Shinsuke Nakamura, and I love knowing, as you told us, yeah. you want to live in America. Yeah. You're the United States champion. Yeah. It's very, very fitting. Yeah. Your name is. Oh, well, it's yeah, somewhere. Yeah. yeah, it's right there. Absolutely. It's somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks. Nakamura. Nakamura is a hilarious dude. I don't think we've begun to see how entertaining he can be. And I thought it was really interesting how honest he was about the level of improvement that he thinks that he's capable of showing. He thinks that we've seen about 15% of what he can do. That's 85% 
potential improvement in Nakamura. And, you know, people do talk about this. People do talk about this idea that we thought a certain Nakamura was going to come into the WWE and he hasn't quite gotten there. And I think that that's what Nakamura is telling us. So uh, very cool to hear him acknowledge that. Let's move right along. A couple more interviews to share with you from the WWE Performance Center. We're going to get to Shayna Baszler. But first, I got to go face to face with the woman who went on the WWE Network and sat there at a table next to myself and the birthday girl, the first female full-time commentator of Monday Night Raw, Renee Young, and told me that not only was I just like the internet trolls are, but I'm actually physically like a Norfin troll, like a troll doll, like a treasure troll, like the troll from the movie that can do all kinds of crazy things with their hair. I wish. I got to sit down and confront face-to-face the so-called princess of Staten Island, Carmella, and we got into uh, my theory about what R-Truth was able to do with her character within a single episode of SmackDown. Let's move right along. Before we get to Shayna Baszler, it's Carmella. Oh, well, there's the camera. There, there it is. <laughs> Too busy Instagramming. Well, yeah, luckily you fixed your hair for Instagram, so yeah. you're camera ready. Perfect. We're at the 2K19 uh, event here at the Performance Center, and it wouldn't be a Performance Center media event without Carmella. Carmella, what's the haps? I mean, it's so cool to be here. Yeah? It's really cool. I feel like so much has changed in my career and my life since I was last here. So it's really cool. Yeah, you know, I interviewed you here once before. <gasps> yes! And we were on much better terms. You had not <laughs> insulted me publicly. Uh, people were not sending me troll memes on the internet. <laughs> I would never um, do that to you, Sam. I'm pretty sure. And it was on television. <laughs> So, uh, that, that's, what is it like to be back here? No, it's just so cool. I remember, yeah, we were in the middle of the ring over there. I was wearing a how you doing shirt. Like, it's like so crazy <laughs> yeah. how much has changed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, last time I was here, I was a manager. Right. That's what I was doing. Right. I barely got an opportunity for matches on NXT TV, or I never wrestled on a takeover. And now I just, gosh, this last year has been so crazy. Did you think... You're like, you know what, I'm managing right now, but I'll get there. I'm going to end up being the women's always. champion. I always knew that in the back of my mind, but it just seemed so far away. And mm-hmm. it just felt like I knew it happened someday, but it just it was like a distant dream that you never think is actually going to come true. And it did. So on one level, right, you've got your dream coming true. Yes. You win a championship. You beat Charlotte. Twice. You beat Asuka. Twice. But you got a huge percentage of the fan base being like, but you still can't wrestle. Of course. Does this like, do you go like, you don't, you guys don't understand like these accomplishments that I, you, there's nothing that you can do that's going to take this away from me. Exactly. That's or exactly what it is. They can't ruin it for they you. They can't. And I feel like it's a testament to my hard work. It's a testament to the performance center as well. well everything that I learned here. And um, it doesn't matter. That, and I don't want to mean it in a disrespectful way. Like I don't care what the fans think. It's not about that, but it, I feel like I know how hard I work to get there. So that's all that really matters. And I won money in the bank twice. Twice? I cashed twice. Okay. And then I cashed it in to become champion. And I was champion. No one can ever take that away from me. Right. And my name will always go down in history as the first most money in the bank. Right. And, well, so and cool. Luckily, you'll remind everybody of that, too. So I would not, never. <laughs> that's not an issue. Do you miss working with James Ellsworth? Um, who? <laughs> you know, the little guy who was uh, uh, <laughs> the facial definition wasn't quite... Um, 
Were you surprised when they brought it back? Like when they were like, what it was do? so cool. I mean, I, I've been saying it's just really cool. I feel very fortunate to have had the career path that I have. I started out as a manager for Enzo and Cass, and then drafted to SmackDown, did my own thing for a bit, and then I had James. Then I was on my own as a champ, and now I get to be with our truth. I feel <laughs> like I have this really cool like journey that I get to show all these different sides of Car Carmella. Yeah, I was talking about it on the podcast, and it's amazing. This is our truth's power. Like within, like you spent months getting everybody to hate you, right? That was the, that was, and yeah. you did the work, and yeah. you did it well, right? And you were successful, and then in one television episode, our <laughs> truth is like, hey, Carmela, come join me, and everybody's like, yay, it's Carmela. It's so weird, and like I'm not doing anything different. I'm I'm still Carmela, right? But it's like. I mean, I'll take it. I'm just having a blast. That, and I get to rap now. I'm a rapper. Did you know that? I didn't realize that yeah, you were by trade. By trade. I didn't realize yeah. that. I mean, I knew that there was like some hip hop culture in you. I didn't realize you were full on rapper. Oh, well, now, yeah, I'm going to drop an album. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's going to be really dope. Wow. That's uh, so you're giving Elias competition. Oh. Elias has nothing on me. <laughs> on your rapping abilities? Yeah. Do you, would you do, you do freestyles? Um... A little bit. Yeah. Like, yo, 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 check it once, check it twice. It's Leah on the mic. She'd be eating white rice. Oh, did I just say Leah? I meant Mella. Shoot. Can we it's cross look, that still, out? Still, if Sorry. You're, you're the realest rapper there is, <laughs> you know? It's, it's, it's okay. Whoops. <laughs> I also think, though, that, like, when you're a bad guy really, really well and you make the transition into good guy, it's almost like this thing where fans... Or waiting, like, just give us a reason to cheer you because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, I don't know. I feel like they just love to hate me so much. Yeah. It's, but it is what it is. What do you like better? I mean, you've I only been like, doing this for, like, a couple of weeks. But, but I was a good guy in NXT. Yeah. So, to me, it's more just, Carmella is still kind of the same. It's just, I guess, the situations that I'm put in. And it, there goes my phone. And it just depends on, like, I guess, who I'm up against. Like, if they, they love Becky Lynch. Right. So, like, if I was against her, of course they're going to cheer for her and hate me. Do you look at what's going on with Becky Lynch being like, oh, I got to be ready for a situation like that? Because obviously Becky Lynch is like, all right, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be the I'm going to be the villain. And everybody's like, yeah, no, we don't care. We're going to cheer for you. No, anyway. but Becky is so justified in everything she's done. Right. So that's why she's getting cheered. People are like, no, that's not fair. Becky's been screwed over time after time after time for years now. Mm -hmm. So then she finally is like had enough. Right. Everyone can relate to that. Do you so. do you go? Well, you know, there was a third person in that match. If everybody could remember that. I was the former women's champion. Oh, but that's okay. I think I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I think I stole the show in that match. I mean, I did the most. <laughs> so, but they can talk about Becky. They can talk about Charlotte. But, I mean, I still look the best. Well, that's fabulous. <laughs> you just, so you did the most and you looked the best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think what people really like about you is your humility <laughs> and your relatability and just the, the down-to-earthness that you, that you come to the table with every single time. Do you, so when you go, right, and you accomplish all your goals which you kind of have in the last year yeah, it's crazy do you kind of leave yourself with like okay i'm gonna now i'm not the women's champion anymore what are my new goals like what is the thing that fuels me going forward for me it's just constantly trying to improve and do the best i can i could joke around and say i look and do the best but honestly i just feel like whatever situation i'm in i want to do the best at it and just keep improving like I was a champion once, but I want to be champion again. I want to be the best rapper for our truth I want to <laughs> I want to be the best at whatever it is I can do, and I continue to just, um, you know, people can hate on me or down on me, whatever they want, but I just know that I'm working really hard and trying my best. Well, who are the people, because we're here at the Performance Center, who are the people that really helped you evolve from athletic person to 
superstar, WWE superstar? Gosh, everyone here. I mean, of course, Sarah Amato has been, was the best coach. She really helped me so much and allowed me to like have my personality. And she, I think she knew that I use that to the best of my ability. And she would be like, oh no, insert here or do this here because you can go out there and do the moves all you want. But if you don't have some sort of connection with the audience and you don't have that personality where people are like, oh, I hate her. Oh, she's cool. Then you're not really going to get the reactions you want. Right, you know? right. Um, obviously, Dream was such a huge influence with our promos, and for me, character is most of Carmella, <laughs> so that helped a lot, yeah. and I always credit Byron Saxton. He helped me, as much as you know, he hates me now on TV, but um, he helped me so much coming up with the Carmella character and the little mannerisms, and it just like brought it to life. Nobody ever mentions Byron Saxton in I know, a way but like that. I I always credit him because he helped me so much. Like I came to him and I was like, I had this idea for Carmella. She's like this mafia mob wife princess and he was like and then we were just talking and it was going over a promo for a promo class and we we're sitting in his office and he's like Carmela he's like yeah and then he's I'm like he's like maybe you should do a promo on Paige because she was the NXT women's champion at the time I was like yeah that's a great idea and he's like Paige what is that <laughs> like a book or something Paige and I was like oh <laughs> this is Carmella yeah. like this is exactly what I want and yeah. it was just like snowballed from there he's amazing did you think when 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 you were standing uh when you were part of the takeover at the Barclays Center the first one did you think that that was going to be the biggest thing that you ever did in that moment I mean because it was so like it was such a departure I think people almost take for granted that NXT runs in arenas now but that first Brooklyn takeover was such a special show because it was such a departure. And it wasn't even supposed to be a full arena show. Right. But it was like the, the loyalty to the brand and the talent that was on the show made it, it kind of forced the hand to be like, no, we're selling the whole building out. Did you realize that there were still more moments to come after that that would, that would trump that? or? Oh, I don't know. It's so crazy to look back at that time in NXT and how it got to where it was you know everyone that was here was putting in the work and on the grind all the time and then when you you're there and you're seeing and you're feeling these moments I'll never forget when we were at TakeOver London it was kind of the same thing but like everyone was backstage and it was like whoa like we did this right. and it was it's not one person in particular it was everyone's efforts and everyone coming together to like follow their dreams and just turn it into what it was it was like super magical and everyone was just like this is nuts is there anybody in nxt or the may young classic or even on the main roster that you haven't wrestled yet that you're like that's my next person oh well or I would, that's somebody that i really like to work with i would love to work with sasha i think it'd be really cool you know we i think we both have big personalities and um we never really got to have an opportunity in nxt so i think it would be really cool well, I heard you uh, already, uh, you were, I think, pleasantly surprised at your ranking in the game. Yeah, I've been 80. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a solid B, if not I mean, inching towards a B plus. For Carmella, I will take it. Right, I'll right. I'll take it. I don't even know what I was last year, probably like 50. <laughs> <laughs> but you're up to an 80. I think the, the 2K19 represents where you are uh, going into 2019. And uh, I hope that since I feel like... I've been flattering in some of my statements that next time we speak, you'll be more flattering towards me. 
Sam, you know I love you. Okay, I just right, love, I, yeah, put that on the record. Right. I just love to give Sam a hard time. And the, Sam's the best. It's tough to argue the troll thing. <laughs> it's really tough. Thank you, Carmela. Thank you. <laughs> I really do enjoy Carmela. Now, before we get into the interview with Shayna Baszler, you guys know, right, we all go to live events. All of us go to wrestling shows. I would think that everybody who listens to this podcast either has gone to a wrestling show or wants to go to a wrestling show. Even if you haven't been to a wrestling show, you've been to a concert, you've been to a, a, a sporting match, you've been to a comedy show, Broadway, whatever it is, we all know the trials and tribulations, the perils of going to live events. Because we don't want to leave the house to get tickets. I mean, this isn't Sam Roberts' high school days where you'd sit at a Ticketmaster location and camp out overnight. I don't even think you can do that anymore. All tickets that you get are online. The problem is that it was so simple before. You go to the booth, you'd sleep overnight, you'd get your tickets. Now, getting tickets online is far too complicated. There's hundreds of sites, there's varying levels of reliability. You don't know who to trust. And that's why, for me, I'm telling you that SeatGeek is the way to go. I've told you about SeatGeek. They're a huge, huge supporter of Not Sam Wrestling, and I'm a huge, huge supporter of them. I've got the app on my phone. I've tried it. I've used it. I wouldn't go back to anyone else. SeatGeek searches multiple ticket sites. They grade every ticket based on value. So SeatGeek is going to help you immediately identify the best seats that can also fit your budget. Plus, Purchases are fully guaranteed. You can shop for SeatGeek tickets with confidence, right? Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek is the place that has you covered. Get that app right on your phone. It'll tell you all of the things going on in your location. You can look up specific events. The seating chart will come up. Everything's color-coded, so you know exactly where the seat is, and you know if the seat is, yeah, it's an okay deal, but... Prices are hot right now, or if they have found you the best deal that you're going to find on the internet, SeatGeek will tell you, and you'll be able to go for whatever it is that you want to go for. Best of all, my listeners, the Not Sam Wrestling listeners, are going to get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. How you ask? All you need to do is download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code SAM, and you've got $20 off your first purchase. Download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code SAM, $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. They have the tickets. And we have Shayna Baszler from the WWE Performance Center. We're at the Performance Center for the massive 2K19 event. And this is a long time coming with me for the very first time. Shayna Baszler. Shayna, what's the haps? Just doing this. Yeah. Video games and stuff. I guess like normal. What's like normal? Video games. Right, right. And video games is normal for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you I big? A, I used to have a Twitch channel and like. So you were you were one of the, like the the popular gamers? Yeah. Do you not? Are you not able to do that anymore? In the sense that you just don't have time to yeah, time, maintain your gaming audience. I try to like pop in some every now and then, but then it's time and it's. Sometimes I use gaming to decompress, and all people want to talk about is wrestling. So right. It's just kind of, yeah. That is the thing, right? Like, when you're using gaming to decompress, because that's the only thing that I do with video games is just, like, shut my brain off. Yeah. But I think sometimes, like, if there were a camera on me right now, I'd be like, okay, I kind of got to at least be aware of it, right? Like, yeah, it's not yeah. full decompression. You're, you you're performing. Yeah. You know, you're, you're doing something for an audience. What were your, What are your games of choice right now? Right now, I'm playing Octopath Traveler on the Switch, um, which is kind of a 
turn-based. It's kind of Final Fantasy-ish. Uh, it's made by Square, so it's same same developers. And then I'm playing Paladins with a group of friends almost every night, and that's uh, like Overwatch on steroids. So. It's, 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 it's awesome. Is it mind-blowing? I saw you looking at your entrance for the first time earlier. Yeah. Like, is it mind-blowing to see you and, like, the, like the, 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 the characters are so, like, I know you say it, like, every year, like, they're more and more detailed, but some of this stuff is insane. Like, I literally was watching the gameplay, and, like, you think for a second, like, oh, this must be, like, an interstitial video. And you're like, oh, no, this is yeah, just straight gameplay. It's, it's uh, it, like... To see me recognizably me, because I was like anyone and would try to create myself. Right. And then, like, even on some of the earlier games, the, there weren't women yet, so I'd try to create what I think uh, the male really? would be. But, like, um, so it's pretty wild to walk in and see me in the menu and it's and it's like me like i could point and be like that's me and people be like yeah that is definitely you. right and it's moving like yeah, you yeah, and it's and it's weird. and it's yeah and, and and it's better than any creative player yeah, 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 that you've yeah, ever done absolutely. it's amazing yeah. i feel like a lot has happened for you since coming to wwe like really pretty quickly like coming off of the first may young where it was like, oh, cool, Shayna Baszler's here. Because you, you, you had a reputation for yourself on the wrestling circuit. You know, I think PWG did a lot of that. And, and, you know, people were excited that you were here. I don't think anybody realized how quickly coming off of Mae Young, you'd end up like a super dom dominant NXT Women's Champion. You're, back, you're in the conversation all the time for who's coming up to the main roster, blah, blah, blah. You're in this video game. Like, it's got to be pretty wild to have this much stuff happening this quickly. It's... It's interesting because, you know, obviously I didn't have, like, the traditional path that a lot of people have to get here. I came up through MMA, and I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, like 16 years in MMA. And um, you work hard. It's like wrestling in that you have to kind of give your life over to it. And the unfortunate, or I previously would have said the unfortunate thing is that in MMA, um, the time where I was really, really into it, it wasn't, it didn't, you know, it wasn't popular. It was like before women were in the UFC. Right. Like, um, and by the time all that started paying off, I was kind of like falling out of it. And uh, so it's weird to, you get kind of, I got kind of little payoff for working for, so hard. Right. Because I mean, that's the, that's the, people forget, like before Rhonda did what Rhonda did, Dana White was literally going out and saying there will never be women. Yes. Yes. In UFC, he, he, you can quote him. He said there will this never video. be video, like, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, for the majority of my MMA career, it was just working your butt off because because you loved it. Being um, good for the sake of being good. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's 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 cool to see, um, and it's not straying from my mixed martial arts path at all. Being I trained under Josh Barnett and Bill Robinson and those guys. Uh, in catch wrestling for my MMA. And if you kind of know the history of how this all comes about, in catch wrestling, you have to kind of like do the mixed rules kind of fight stuff before they would allow you to do professional wrestling. And so to kind of be here, it's, it's the path of, it's like the natural progression of my martial arts career um, and then have it finally pay off. Um, and it's like you work for so long with such little payoff, you forget that it's 
it's not so it's not supposed to be that way right it's gonna pay off sometimes right. so it's cool to and and on some level right like the 16 years of of mma not paying off this is the payoff yeah, for yeah, that yeah. too it's Absolutely. not like you did a year of of, of performance center stuff and now you're a wrestler like that's all part of what you do now yeah absolutely and i think if i would have done it any other way i wouldn't be um who i am and what i am in the ring outside the ring i, I wouldn't be where i'm at today and you, you it's such a cliche thing right like everything happens for a reason but yeah. seriously like i i wouldn't change anything and in those moments it's like man i lost i i, I want that back i want to win but if if it would have gone any other way it wouldn't be quite the same and i'm was there any intimidation on your part when you find out, like, okay, I'm going to go right to the top of the women's division. Like, I'm going to be the representative of NXT and the women here. I'm getting the title. I'm going to be dominant as champion. Like, that's a lot of weight on your shoulders. It's it's interesting because uh, having the title and representing, and, you know, the NXT title is very revered in its history and, and, yeah. and highly regarded. But on top of that... Um, the style of wrestling I bring and the way I was come again through catch wrestling and, and Billy and Josh, um, it's not a thing that's, it's not a style that's like super popular, uh, like in the WWE, especially amongst the women. I, I mean, you know, so I think even more added weight to that is that I, what I'm representing as far as my coaching and, and how I've come up, um, you know, right, you have to prove to people that this is like this something is, you're not. You, this isn't what you're used to seeing, but it's really good. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's and it's and, it, and it's it's taken some time, but I think people are starting to, you know, uh, people are starting to see and 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 the, the fact that I've stayed true to my lineage and not strayed and started doing backflips and stuff just to get people to 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 think I know what I'm doing. Like it's <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's that is almost more important to me than the fact that the NXT title is so revered in itself. Yeah, yeah. When did you really start to feel comfortable in NXT? Like, in an NXT ring, like, I know what I'm bringing to the table. I'm, I, I know that people are aware of my style and are here to see my style now. People are buying tickets to see it. Like, when did you go, like, yep, Shayna Baszler is here? Uh, it's, it's, it's really cool. Because I think uh, in MMA, I had such a negative backlash of the fans after one of my losses that I learned that's not the majority. Uh, you know, they always talk about the vocal minority on social media. And so I think coming here, I knew to kind of just put, put away uh, that, that aspect. Um, I, I know that when the crowd reacts... So when I'm in the ring and I'm like bending someone's arm away, it's not supposed to go, and the crowd can collectively gasp, like I I know, you know right. what I mean? Like right. that's, and I and I think um, that's 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 where I started. I think uh, one time I was doing this, and maybe I just got so used to people not understanding what it was or whatever. But I remember I did this, and the crowd gasped, and I remember having this kind of weird inside out of body I don't know how to explain it but I remember being like really <laughs> like inside like, okay so then you know just being confident in what you're doing I think the crowd reads confidence more if I if I were to like bend someone's arm and then be like right they they would be able to tell but if I'm just like 
right. look at that, then, then they know. So um, I think just realizing that has, like, catapulted. And there was that great moment that, like, they replayed 100 times with Dakota Kai, right, where she had her yeah. elbow up and just the just the going backwards because, you know, wrestling fans, whether we know what we're looking at or not, are conditioned, especially WWE fans, to be like, this is the way a body moves. This yeah. is the way wrestling moves look. So when somebody like you comes in and is moving your opponent's body in the way that, like, I haven't seen, no, that's not supposed to be the way it is. You know, they talk about, like, in the Attitude Era, they said that, uh, that, that wrestling really gets good when people go like, well, I know it's a show, but that's real. And I feel like your style brings that element, except into the ring. Yeah. Where, you know, you don't really traditionally see that, right? Yeah, and I think that's just the, uh, again, going back to, like, how how I came through and not changing anything. Um, I always I used to tell Josh that uh, Billy, Bill Robinson had passed away before I started doing pro wrestling. And I trained with Billy for MMA. Um, and I would say to Josh, like, I'm really bummed that I didn't get a chance to, to train with him now that I'm wrestling. And he said, it's Billy. He would have trained you the exact same way. And so I think just that just that I had learned to do things in such a way that it's you're, you're you'll be hard pressed to see me do something a different way in MMA if you're to look it up than I do it here um, and I think that's that's you know I that's why I, I'd say it like I'm the reality that you meet when you get in there right so. right do you think that your success the way fans responded to you encouraged Rhonda to think realistically about this to try this as like yeah this is something that I've like obviously she grew up a fan but seeing you succeed at the level that you've been succeeding at did that make her go like oh there's a spot for women like us there I think actually truthfully um, the fact that that I was so happy and having so much fun doing what I was doing um, turned Ron on to pro wrestling more than than fans and things like that she you know she was in a spot where she maybe was a little jaded um, in MMA and I had that too just she was on a much bigger scale obviously than me and so I think her seeing we had similar paths and then seeing that uh, it's like kind of nerdy but like seeing my final form yeah actually happen and then like I think that's what did it um, and uh, she always said she's the one that said you know uh, if I hadn't ended up losing on the Ultimate Fighter, where I was like expected to win that whole show, mm -hmm. if I didn't end up losing, I wouldn't have gone to stay at her house and just had wrestling on every night. And that's kind of how she got back into it, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's 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 just cool. What are you watching when you're watching wrestling every night at that point in your life? Like when you're like, you know what? I need to decompress from all this because that's another decompression tool, right? Yeah, it's yeah, wrestling. Yeah, that's like sure. that's. I mean, the same it for was me. Like fighting was not allowed to be talked about when we were done training. For right. Yeah. Let's turn on WWE yeah. Network or whatever it is. What were you watching to take your brain off of things? Um, at at that point in time, um, the girls. So like, I just have watched wrestling forever. Yeah. Um, the girls started watching, and it was when Daniel Bryan was doing the storyline with the Wyatt family. Uh -huh. And so they got really involved with the <laughs> Daniel Bryan storyline. And uh, that's what kind of got them. And then uh, it was specifically one day, Rhonda, I think, was gone and had a fight. And uh, me and Jess were left at home. Marina went with Rhonda to help her cut weight. And we weren't going to like a day or two later because there's a whole media week before fights and stuff that we didn't really need to be there for. Um, and we were just sitting one morning, and the house was empty, and Jess turns to me and goes, Shayna, I want you to show me 
historic pro wrestling matches. And I'm not joking, we spent, I hooked the, the computer tower up to the TV and we spent from nine in the morning and we only stopped to eat and get food until probably 2 a.m. And I'm showing her old school, like WWE matches, old school uh, world of sports stuff. I'm showing her Japanese, uh, like Akira Hokuto and all these like old school Japanese matches. We watched <laughs> documentaries and just like went on this endless black hole. And I think that was like the day that everything changed. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I mean, and there's nothing that a friend who doesn't watch, there's almost no better feeling. Like, show me something cool. And you're like, oh yeah? Yeah. Like, and like, <laughs> you just start going through Stone Cold and Undertaker stuff or whatever, yeah, like yeah. whatever it is. Like, what level of education do you want on this right now? Yeah. Because I'm ready for it. Well, um... Evolution uh, is, of course, coming up, and this is a—I mean, this is a real good time to be a woman in this business that's good at what she does. Uh, is there anything you know? You haven't been announced as doing anything on Evolution. When that gets announced, there's going to be an all-women's pay-per-view. Is there a fantasy match in your head that should you be on that show? This is the match that I want to have on that show. Well, if I have anything to say about it, I'm getting a crack at the title again. The NXT so, Championship. Yeah. Yeah. So if if I'm gonna be stirring the pot in whatever way I can to try to get that, so we'll see. Is the Four Horsemen versus Four Horsewomen fantasy match that's been talked about for years? Is that something you you're like, oh yeah, I really want to, or is that just sort of? If they want to do that, I mean, we're the team, and they can't even decide. They're not even getting along right now. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, if they want to pretend that they're a team and we'll be able to get along um, long enough in the ring. For us four that haven't ever had a dispute in the time we've known each other and have actually trained together and actually lived together. So you're living together and not fighting with each other. Right. That's yeah. like unheard of for yeah. married and people, you know? Yeah. yeah. Which is like, even but yeah, like just if, if they, if they for whatever reason think they can keep their stuff together, I mean, they're going to counseling to be friends. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. Well, Shayna, uh, I'm, I'm such a fan of, uh, of what you do, and it's so fun to watch you just get better and better and better. So congratulations on being in 2K19. Yeah. And, uh, awesome. Thanks for talking. Choose me in the menu. Did you see what your rating was, by the way? Yeah. What is it? 81. Okay. Are you happy with that? Eh. Okay. Room for improvement in 2K20. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, now 2K knows. Thanks. Here is Sam Roberts. So thanks again to 2K19 for inviting me and a bunch of us down to the Performance Center. Like I said before, if you want to see the video of the tour that we got of the WWE Performance Center, then you got to become a Not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Of course, this podcast goes up at least 12 hours early or so and ad-free uh, first over there. And uh, the videos of everything are going to be available first at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Uh, although you can, of course, keep listening to the podcast for free and the videos eventually, not the tour of the Performance Center, that's going to be exclusive to patreon.com slash notsamwrestling for the Not Sam Shills. But the video of the interviews, of course, as always, will eventually be up on the YouTube channel. Uh, the Joey uh, 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 Janella, I was about to say Joey Ryan, the Joey Janella and Samoa Joe interviews both went up on the YouTube channel. They've been on Patreon ever since those podcast episodes came out. But both those interviews went up on the Not Sam YouTube channel this week. So lots of content going everywhere. How about that Carmella rap? I think that that Carmella rap needs to, the freestyle, needs to be its own video that goes across social media. Especially, you know, 
She did say Leah, I think. But who's counting, right? What difference does it possibly make? It's still, we know what it is. We know who she is. We know what she meant by it. Let's not, let's not be detail, picking at little details, nitpicking everything. Come on. She's entertaining. And Shayna Baszler, it's so cool to get to talk to Shayna because I don't think, I mean, we all know that she's a wrestling fan, right? Like, we all know that, I could tell that she's having fun. When I asked her um, about her success in wrestling being a motivating factor for Ronda Rousey, the question that was in my mind was, because in my mind, before, I'd never, I, you know, I'd said hellos, I, I'd exchanged pleasant, pleasantries with Shayna Baszler before that interview. Um, you know, obviously I've, I've, I've said hello to her backstage at events and things like that, but I'd never really had an extended conversation before the conversation that you just heard with Shayna. And my assumption in watching the way she worked, in knowing what I know about her history, um, my assumption is that she's having the time of her life. I don't see how you could be on the tra trajectory that Shayna Baszler is on and not be having the time of your life. So the question in my head was, you having the amount of fun that you're having doing this, was that a factor that pushed Ronda Rousey to become a superstar? Now, I didn't want to ask it that way because I didn't want to assume that she was having fun. She hadn't told me she was having fun. So that's why I asked if the success was what pushed Ronda Rousey. And so it was so refreshing and, and amazing to hear her come forward with the information. It wasn't so much the success. It was the fact that I was having a good time doing it, which is great. And something that you got to keep in mind, like somebody like Ronda Rousey financially doesn't have to be a WWE superstar. The UFC fights that she had were big money fights. The movie roles that she got, big money movie roles. And by the way, she's talented, athletic, beautiful. She could easily maintain a career in acting if that's what she wanted to do. But she came to the WWE. And I mean, if you're watching programming, I think it's obvious to me that this is not... I, comparisons, and I was on the Shining Wizards podcast this week, and they, they talked about Ronda Rousey being the female Brock Lesnar. Ronda Rousey is not the female Brock Lesnar. And I think that it's an unfair um, comparison that's made only because she was also a dominant MMA fighter the same way Brock Lesnar was a dominant MMA fighter. But that's kind of where the, the similarities end. Ronda Rousey loves wrestling. Ronda Rousey loves WWE. Brock Lesnar in no way, shape, or form loves WWE. When you look at Ronda Rousey, a young girl can sit there and say, one day I want to be like her. She's a role model. Brock Lesnar is not a role model. He's a freak of nature. Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey are two different things. Ronda Rousey is wrestling on Raw. Brock Lesnar is maybe wrestling in Saudi Arabia if you give him a huge payday. Like there's no, to me, the only thing that Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar have in common is that they both came from UFC. And to think that if Ronda Rousey was intended to be the female Brock Lesnar, why would she smile when she comes to the ring? The reason that Ronda Rousey smiles when she comes to the ring is to remind us that she is not a monster. She is actually a human being that is getting to live out a dream that many of us watching would love to be able to live out. Nothing about what Brock Lesnar does allows us to vicariously live through Brock Lesnar because the reality of that guy is not the reality of any human being that we've ever encountered. Ronda Rousey is there for people to live vicariously through. And she happens to be an elite level world athlete, you know, but she's not 
the intention is not to portray her as some kind of genetic freak the way it is for Brock Lesnar, because I think Ronda Rousey and the people behind Ronda Rousey would like her to be relatable to people. So um, I think that that was a, a great uh, addition to the conversation that Shayna Baszler brought up, is that Ronda's here because she loves this stuff and because it's fun to do. And it's the same reason why Shayna's here. And really the same reason why Shayna's successful is because she's enjoying what she's doing and it's clear. But I love that conversation. I mean, we've all had, and we could probably do a whole show. That's really what the captive audience bonus show that pops up on patreon.com slash notsamwrestling is all about, is showing somebody who normally wouldn't be watching this stuff some of your favorite wrestling matches. There's not, there, that's one of the great p- pleasures of being a wrestling fan is introducing other people and friends to some of the favorite stuff that you've watched maybe for years, maybe for months, whatever it is. But I mean, you know, I've had, a, you know, I work on Sirius with Jim Norton every morning and I had my buddy Troy Kwan, who's a producer on the show, also, you know, help does the production for this podcast, the, the intro and the outro and all that stuff. I had him over the house once and he's not a wrestling fan and he goes, show me something cool. And I just got to sit there showing him Stone Cold match after Stone Cold match after Stone Cold match and he was blown away. And it was one of my favorite things that I've gotten to do with him just because it's so much fun to show somebody who's not familiar with the stuff the cool stuff that wrestling is, to get to do it from your perspective as a fan and to get to see that energy get transferred over onto him. So much fun. So much fun. So it was great talking to everybody, Nakamura, Carmella, and Shayna Baszler um, last week at the Performance Center. And next week here on the podcast, we're going to have even more interviews from the WWE Performance Center. Um, I did want to touch on, before we get into the state of wrestling, Cody Rhodes had a quote come out, uh, I believe on Twitter, where first he said, somebody said, are you a heel or a face? And, And Cody Rhodes said, I'm a wrestler. There is no more heels and faces. And I think that that's true outside of WWE. Because, and I think Cody would probably agree with me. I think this is what he was getting at. It's guys that aren't necessarily exclusive to one show where there's one storyline. Because the storyline, quote-unquote, of the Cody Rhodes character and the Young Bucks character is something that is in Ring of Honor but is also outside of Ring of Honor. It's something that goes over to All In, to New Japan, to being the NWA champion now. It goes beyond Ring of Honor. I think when you're a a bigger part of the wrestling world as a whole, there's going to be nights where you're a heel. There's going to be nights where you're a babyface. There's going to like different crowds are going to react to you differently in different situations. So I think in Cody's situation and guys like Cody, he's right. Joey Janelle is in there. Everybody in the elites in there. You know, MJF might be the uh, exception to that because MJF is the one sort of solid, obvious heel. In all of that. But I think I think Cody makes a great point there, but he made an even better point when somebody asked him, you know, somebody said something about the fans being the ones that ruin the shows when they bring their beach balls and blah, blah, blah. And Cody said they can bring a thousand beach balls. They can boo everybody that they're not supposed to boo for. It's up to the performers to get the fans out of that. And I think that's 100% true, and I've said that on the podcast before, that you can point out when a crowd is not the greatest crowd in the world and when they're a better crowd, you can, like, there, there's definitely that. That's a reality. But the truth is that a great performer has to be able to get past that. And I think that that's what Cody's point was. And uh, I think that it's absolutely true that in any art form that is being made for a, a, a crowd, you can never blame the audience when something's not working, especially if it's consistently not working. You know, at the end of the day, 
the reason it's not working is because it's not being presented in a way that is is entertaining because wrestling is not in a crisis when it comes to fans. You know, there's there's a lot of wrestling fans and there's a lot of wrestling that gets cheered. So if wrestling is getting booed or getting a wave or getting beach balls while, you know, I would never hang out with a guy that brings a beach ball to a wrestling show and I would never hang out with a guy who sits in an audience and tries to make it about himself, your job as a performer is to first distract the crowd from the guy trying to make it about himself so that they're all turning to him and going like, what are you talking about, dude? I'm enjoying this. Leave me alone. And secondly is to get that guy out of his own head and force him into the show that that is being put on in front of him. So I think that's a great point by Cody, and I find myself agreeing with him. Now, I hope that you'll agree with me when I tell you what time it is, and it is time for the State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. You bet it is time for this week's State of Wrestling. Thank you very, very much. Now, I wanted to start the State of Wrestling segment. By the way, of course... This segment is available on video, the only place to get the complete video of the State of Wrestling. If you want to see me yap uncontrollably about wrestling for a while, the only place to see the entire video is if you are a Not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. And the video, of course, goes up same day that the podcast gets released, so check that out. Uh, I wanted to start this week by talking about how I started last week, and that is with the uh, faction list. So I did the uh, top 10 factions. I redid WWE's top 10 faction list. And there were a couple of factions that I didn't mention that I meant to. And it was brought up to me a few times on Twitter. Number one, I actually didn't. The Von Erics. I didn't put them on the list because I don't think that the Von Erics are top 10 in the sense that the Von Erics were very, very important for the world-class territory in that time. But I really think it was the Freebirds and the influence of the Freebirds that uh, kind of brought wrestling into sports entertainment. That's why I think the I think I think the influence of the Freebirds traveled far beyond world class and that era. Whereas the Von Erichs, if I were doing a top twenty factions, for sure the Von Erichs are making it. But for me, not top ten. Um, the Heenan family was the other one, and I'd written down the Heenan family, and I meant to talk about the Heenan family um, and why they weren't making my top 10 list. And that's because, you know, I said most of the three-man team, New Day, Demolition, teams like that, I don't consider them factions because they exist as tag teams. I don't consider the Heenan family a faction because for the most part, the Heenan family was referred to by commentators, and it was the the group that linked Bobby Heenan with everybody. But you didn't see, like, Bobby Heenan would not come out and cut promos with the entire Heenan family behind him very often. Very, very seldom. For a Survivor Series, yes, Heenan Stable would come together. But very, very seldom would the Heenan family actually act as a stable. Freebirds, always together. Nation of Domination, always together. Corporate Ministry, always together. Every week. Those factions stay together. Heart Foundation, S.H.I.E.L.D., NWO, DX. When they come out, they are representing the faction every single time. With the Heenan family, those were individuals that happened to have a manager in common. And that is not, to me, a faction because they did not, each individual member of that faction did not work for the end goal of the team. 
They just all happen to have the same manager. So for me, the Heenan family is not a faction, and that's why it didn't make my top 10 list. If we're going to talk about managers, Bobby Heenan's going to be number one. You know, it's just factions were specifically what we were talking about. Let's get into talking. Let's get into story number five this week, and that is my rundown of Helena Cell. Of course, Helena Cell went down last Sunday on the WWE Network. It was free for new subscribers. The replay is now free for new subscribers, so check that out. It's a good way of selling it, right? Um, but, you know, I was, uh, I was, I don't even want to say pleasantly surprised by Helena Cell. I think that WWE is really getting good at creating these dual-branded pay-per-views. I think when WWE started with Backlash earlier this year, um, not the greatest start, but I think they're really figuring out, okay, who do we highlight? What match order do we put it in? How long should it be? This one was actually under the main show. Pre-show, of course, was an hour, but if we're just counting the main show, it was actually just under. It was about three hours and 45 minutes, which is about, it, was, it felt like a good time to me. The show felt like it had a good pace. Every match on the show mattered. Of course, there were people conspicuous by their absence. Finn Balor not being on the show. Lots of people not being on the show. Sasha Banks, Bailey. But you couldn't look at that show and go, yeah, and I would take this person off to put this person on. Now, if we start to go down the matches themselves, I thought that the pay-per-view was very good in the sense that there were many great matches. There were many very good matches you know, I mean, I, it makes it sound like there were 100 matches. There were several great matches. There were several very good matches and, and some okay stuff going on. I thought SmackDown came out the big winners of the night. I thought everything SmackDown did worked to a T. I mean, look at the three big matches that SmackDown presented, right? Not even bringing up the tag title match from the pre-show. But if you start with... The Hell in a Cell match that opened the show. To me, by far the better of the two Cell matches. Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy in a match that people weren't even sure why it was in a Hell in a Cell brought the house down. It was one of the most brutal matches in this era of WWE. And for anybody that was worried about Randy Orton in the sense that Randy's been around for a while, maybe some fatigue is setting in for Randy Orton, you know, some of the storylines he's been in haven't been the best. The Jinder Mahal story, was it just went on forever. The Bray Wyatt story didn't pan out. Anybody worried about that? Randy Orton was made again. Not that he needed to be made, but Randy Orton was made in this match. I mean, that ear spot with the screwdriver and the, and the you know, extended uh, uh, whatever it's called, cartilage stuff in Jeff Hardy's ear where he put the screwdriver in and started twisting it. Even if... There was no danger. Even if it didn't hurt at all, even if Jeff Hardy's ears have been like that forever, it looked amazing. It looked awesome. The last spot in the match, I thought it was good. You know, of course, would it have been better if it were timed a little bit better? Sure. But did Jeff Hardy, did Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy not match on time on purpose? No. I think if you ask Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton, Jeff would have rather jumped a little sooner or Randy would have rather jumped off the table a little later. So it would have looked a little bit more. But regardless, scaling the top of that hell in a cell and falling down through the table, not something that I believe has been done in WWE before. There was a similar spot in TNA, but not something that's been done in WWE's hell in a cell format before. Um, so I was a big fan of that match, and I think it did a lot to bring Randy Orton forward. I would loved the whole pacing of the SmackDown show this week. 
You know, I, I watching it, I was like, this... One of the issues that Raw has is it feels formulaic. I know... I know... I can set my clock to Raw. When The Undertaker comes out, I know I'm like, oh, it must be 9. Like, I don't get lost. I don't... What time is it? Or 10, whatever it is. I know it's the top of the hour. You know what I mean? I can set my clock to exactly how Raw is going to run. Whereas SmackDown, it's especially this week, I was like, I don't know. Like, I figured, I was like, I you forget that segments are coming. You go, is Samoa Joe and AJ, uh, you know, or, or I'm sorry, AJ and Andrade, are they just going to take the rest of the show? Are they going to do like a 40-minute match? Because I could see that happening. And you're like, okay. And then there's the other. And then you go, it's 9.45, 9.50. What's next? And you go, oh, I forgot. There's the whole Becky Charlotte thing. And, and just the timing of the segments and where stuff lands on the show. I just thought, I think they do a great job of highlighting everybody in the two hours and, and keeping it in such a way that you're on your toes, which is very important in wrestling. Um, you know, and, and, and what reminded me of that was, again, the Randy Orton segment. You know, Randy Orton being in the production truck, they just gave Randy Orton, it's a two-hour show, not three hours, and they're trying to highlight everything. They're trying to have great matches and promo spots and stuff that's building character and all this stuff. And they give Randy Orton three minutes, if that, maybe two, in that production truck, and clearly, right away, we know exactly who and what Randy Orton is in that moment, you know, and I th- and, and that just, it, it stuck out to me as great. We move on to the uh, WWE Championship match between AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. I thought it was a great way. First of all, the match itself was incredible. No surprises there. I thought it was a great way to bring them into Super Showdown where there's an excuse for a third match where, you know, traditionally it's like, oh, AJ won this one, Samoa won that one, so now we have a third match where we find out who the real winner is. Instead, you've got creative finishes on both matches where it didn't leave you flat. You know, the disqualification at SummerSlam did not leave me feeling flat where a lot of title match disqualifications do. And this one where it's like, yeah, technically... AJ Styles won, but technically Joe could have won. It didn't leave me feeling flat. It left me curious about what the next story was. You know, SmackDown has run into problems in the past with putting on match after match, uh, over you know, the same matches over and over again. I thought, you know, as I said before, the Randy gender stuff got old quick and it was not good. AJ Nakamura, eventually we got tired of seeing people kick each other in the dick, I think. You know, it brought us to a great character place for Nakamura. I like where it brought him. But in terms of being excited about the actual AJ Nakamura story, I was like, I don't need to see any more dick kicks. So the fact that they're now going into their third pay-per-view, because let's consider Super Showdown a pay-per-view, they're going into their third big pay-per-view with this as the title match, and I'm not fatigued by it. I'm excited about it especially since it's a no-holds-barred match, I feel like the story has just been told beautifully. You know, I talked with Samoa Joe here on the podcast. You can go back a few episodes and download it if you didn't hear it or check out the video on YouTube um, right before SummerSlam and talked about how, for me, what made their story special was that they're not relying on history for it. What they're doing instead is telling a great story about AJ's family and Samoa Joe is coming across as more villainous than he ever has and the whole thing. They could just say, hey, these guys have a history. Can you believe it's happening in WWE? But that's not where they're going. They're creating a great story that's got us interested in it and that is what has allowed us 
to carry this three pay-per-views. I believe that they've actually learned from the Nakamura experiment. The Nakamura-AJ Styles experiment, I should say. They've said, okay, like this match was kind of built on their history. And while it's exciting, it's not enough to carry a WWE championship rivalry. So what are we going to do? Create this great story with the family and Joe. And I just, yeah, I was a fan of it. I thought it was great. And seeing Samoa Joe vulnerable after the match, seeing him lose his cool, seeing him upset. I thought that added a layer to Samoa Joe and actually made it so that even though AJ... You could argue that he lost that match because he did tap out. Psychologically, for the first time, he's gained an advantage over Samoa Joe because we saw Samoa Joe mentally vulnerable in that moment. So I thought it, I thought it was just great. And Charlotte versus Becky, of course, is the third big SmackDown match, which I think those might be the three best matches of the pay-per-view, to tell you the truth. That's how good a night SmackDown had. And... Um, I thought uh, I thought Charlotte versus Becky was a great match. I loved the way it ended. I loved that it kind of ended out of nowhere. I liked that Becky won clean. And there were some people saying that that was the moment to turn Becky face. And I don't think so at all. You know, I think if Becky had uh, uh, given up on this heel run at that moment, then it would have made the last month even more ridiculous. Because she turned on her best friend, she keeps saying she's being slighted. She's not been giving a chance. She's, Charlotte's trying to push her into the shadow. So when she does finally win, why would she then all of a sudden be friends with Charlotte? I thought that the, the idea that she not only would not shake Charlotte's hand after the match, but then goes on to SmackDown and attacks her and tells her to put the belt around my waist, call me queen, drops that bitch word again. I was like, yeah. And... We, now that she's the champion, she's actually lost some sympathy. So I think the idea of making her a heel is a lot easier when she's the champion than when she's not. Nobody could boo her as champion because, I mean, nobody could boo her when she wasn't champion because she kind of did get screwed out of it and we wanted to see her as champion. Now that she's champion and she's not being nice about it, there's a little bit of a reason to boo her. I still don't think many people will boo her, but I think that that's fine now. Now it's okay. I think we're actually in a pretty good place with the Charlotte-Becky thing. Um, Raw did good. I thought Ronda and Alexa was good. Um, my my only hang-up, and we'll talk about the Cell match a little more uh, as the stories progress here on the State of Wrestling. I thought that even though Roman won the championship at SummerSlam, the fact that Braun had come out, promised to cash in, and then not delivered made it so the end of SummerSlam felt like, well, I thought we were, it's over? To ha I felt the same feeling. I felt the same feeling at Hell in a Cell when Brock Lesnar came out, jumped both of them. You know, even if... I feel like it would have been better if Brock Lesnar... Because we've been... For weeks, Mick Foley was the referee. He went through the cage. He went off the cage. Like, he took the most damage anybody's ever taken. He continued the match. Jeff Hardy fell off the roof. Randy Orton insisted on pinning him. Finished the match. You know, that's the whole point of Hell in a Cell. That's what we were leading to. I think what I would have done, and it would have gotten the same result, but it would have left you feeling a little less like, Meh? was have Brock Lesnar throw Roman Reigns on top of Braun Strowman and say count and make Mick Foley count as Roman Reigns, who's out like a light, technically pins Braun Strowman. 
So he wins the match because now you've got a scenario where Braun's mad because Brock legitimately cost him the match. And that was his money in the bank cash in. It wasn't a no contest. Roman won. And Roman's mad because that's not the way he wanted to win. He doesn't need Brock's help to win this match. Now you're saying, why would Brock do that? Why would Brock, you know, put Roman, keep the title on Roman? And that's because Brock wants to, the same way Roman took the title from Brock, Brock wants to take the title back from Roman. So Brock doesn't want Braun Strowman to be the champion. Although he doesn't really care. He just also kind of knows it'll piss off Roman to just throw him on top. It was really just his notice to them to say he's back. And we'll talk about the fact that Brock is back later on. But that's my only thing that I would have changed up about Hell in a Cell. That's how I would have changed that ending. Just so you left, at least, even though it wasn't a full victory, at least you left on an ending to the match. Not sort of like, logically, this doesn't really make sense. You know? Story number four, 205 Live is on Wednesday nights now. Some people like it. Some people don't like it. Of course, 205 Live is taped now. They're not going to change the show name to 205 Taped. 205 Live is like uh, now live. It's like 5 Alive. It's like, is 5 actually alive? No, but it's uh, exciting. So it's alive. So I think that's how they'll use the word live, um, which is, you know, fine. Who cares? Uh, I don't think that there is anything bad about this move whatsoever. You know, I don't think... I think the idea, if 205 Live was on USA, then I would say keep it on on Tuesday nights right after SmackDown. But when you've got, so now you've got Mixed Match Challenge coming on, right? So the idea is what you're asking, WWE is asking their audience to do. Tune in to SmackDown on the USA Network. As soon as it's over, grab your computer, go to Facebook to watch Mixed Match Challenge. As soon as that's done, Turn on the Apple TV and watch WWE Network. It's too much. It doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense when they did it the last Mixed Match Challenge. You can't just send your people from place to place to place to place. So instead, they're making it easy. Mixed Match Challenge is on Facebook. You probably got your laptop out anyway or your phone. You're tweeting while SmackDown's on. Open up Facebook. There's more matches for you. Okay, that's easy. 205 Live, I think, is going to benefit because you're already sending people to the network. You've now got a block of programming. you got 205 Live then NXT, then the May Young Classic. So I think it's going to benefit the network in the sense that you've got a Wednesday night lineup now of programming that is new wrestling, WWE wrestling shows. WWE meaning the overall bracket, not the main roster, but like May Young and 205, all that stuff. Um, so you've got, you've got a lineup. You've got a reason to turn the network on. And it's not like just because, you know, 205 Live is one hour. You know, are you going to turn on the network for just one hour? Maybe. Some of you will. But a lot of people won't. But what if I told you there was three hours of wrestling on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to check out the lineup. And it's three different shows. That's fun. So I don't think there's going to be an issue. I don't, you know, I don't think spoilers will be an issue with 205 Live. I just don't think that it's that type of show. I also think that the inclusion of some of the 205 Live stars on Raw is going to help them immensely. You know, I think uh, uh, Drake being on with uh, Authors of Pain, I think is great. It's great for Authors of Pain because they're finally winning matches and Drake is doing a, a a really good job in that position. But I was so happy. Last week we saw a vignette and I was hoping it would end up being something like this. Leo Rush, who, you know, we talked about Leo on the Joey Janela podcast a few weeks ago, which you can download or watch on YouTube. But Leo Rush did so incredibly well this week on Monday Night Raw. I was just over the moon happy for the guy. I mean, everything he did from 
coming out and cutting that promo to jumping on commentary to doing the spots where he's doing leapfrogs and flips and everything. It is so easy up until, and who even knows, when Bobby Lashley put him up on his shoulders and he fell backwards, who even knows if he did that on purpose so he can do the full sit-up or if he's just that good and in the moment was like, let me save it. One day I want to interview him and I want to ask him that. His first night on Raw, did he fall off his shoulders and save it or did he do that on purpose just to show that core strength? Because my God, it was impressive. But I thought Leo Rush did so, so well on Raw. Um, you know, there's been some question about whether he's going to be like a heel manager for Bobby Lashley. But no, no, there is nothing heel about what we saw from Leo Rush on Raw. I mean, every you had to you could not not love what you saw from Leo Rush. The way he can escape the bad guys, jumping over Kevin Owens and and doing uh, flips off the ropes and and going under legs and stuff like that. It's just it was so fun. So fun. So even if he is a heel on 205 Live a little bit, and even if he does have an ego about him, I think it's going to work. I think it's going to do wonders for Bobby Lashley. I think he's going to be able to be a, uh, a babyface on Raw. And I think that it's going to bring eyes to 205 Live on Wednesday night. So I think, it's, I think it's kind of really good for everybody involved. Speaking of people involved, story number three this week is a meeting that reportedly all the wrestling websites are saying, all the, all the dirt sheets as they were, are saying that there was some kind of meeting taking place between Impact and WWE up in Stanford this week, and and kind of everybody's been theorizing on on what that could be, and it could be a lot of things. You know, I don't think WWE is going to buy Impact Wrestling. You know, I don't think that there is any. I don't think that there's a huge value to the brand at this moment I think that the brand is building right now you know I think ever since Don Callis and those guys took over TNA the TV that they've been putting out is much much better but I think it's got a long way to go before we sit there and go like oh WWE wants to buy TNA I do think that there's a high likelihood that the WWE might be trying to buy out the impact tape libraries because I mean think about it you've got Eric Young Bobby Roode Samoa Joe AJ Styles, you got stuff from Booker T. You got a ton of Kurt Angle stuff. You got a ton of Bobby Lashley stuff. You have a lot of footage from current superstars. You know, and 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 it's been referenced and it's popped up in like the table for three. It's popped up on DVDs. Like, I think that there is a scenario where WWE may be trying to either license or buy out footage, but that's what I believe the meeting was about. I believe, in my personal opinion, I've not talked to anybody about it. I have no idea. But if I had to guess, I would think that the meeting is about video footage. Because I can't... I mean, I guess it could be a talent exchange. But I don't know amongst who. You know, WWE is so good at acquiring talent at this point. I don't know. Unless... And, and you know, it's not like it's going to be a relationship like WWE had with ECW. Because WWE would send newer guys to ECW to get used to wrestling in front of crowds and maybe wrestling a little bit on television and then bring them back. But they've got NXT now. So there's really no reason to send anybody to TNA to learn how to wrestle on TV because they can learn how to wrestle on WWE TV now with NXT. So I think odds are this was a meeting about uh, videotape footage. But really, really interesting that it's happening. And I think it goes back to the point that we've made on the show before um, about WWE's willingness to work outside of the company. And you see that all over. You know, I think uh, 
We've talked about it with the art of Rob Schamberger, who does the uh, watercolor paintings that are now, you know, he does prints and T-shirts, and he's at the WWE events and uh, packaged with Mattel action figures. He's an independent contractor. He's outside of WWE. He was a guy doing watercolor paintings of wrestlers, and WWE said, do some of these for us. You're not going to be a WWE employee per se, but we'll pay you to do some stuff. Look at Sam Roberts and Peter Rosenberg, the last professional broadcaster, and Peter Rosenberg showing up on the pre-shows, not WWE employees, not voices of the company coming in, being outsiders and doing this. Look at Pat McAfee doing the same thing, you know. Look at the way WWE has handled the uh, the uh, additions of guys like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, even Bobby Roode, acknowledging their past, embracing their past. You know, I think that the, the, the WWE is far less of a bubble than it ever has been in the past. And they're far more willing. Look at the DVDs they've put out. The CM Punk, the Kevin Owens DVDs that had Ring of Honor footage all over it. WWE is far more willing to go outside of itself than it ever, ever, ever has been before. And it's left us in a position where who knows what could happen. The world is our oyster. UFC is getting mentioned on a regular basis on WWE TV. Brock Lesnar could walk into the octagon with the Universal Championship. You know, it's not, it's not sort of... This is WWE world, and we don't acknowledge anything outside of it anymore, which I think is good because, you know, the world has opened up now. The internet has opened up the world completely, so there's no way that you can uh, uh, insulate yourselves, right? There's no way you can insulate your audience to only know your product. So instead, embrace the stuff that's going on outside, and I think that's what WWE is doing, and that's why I think that, if anything, this is a meeting about uh, footage. Uh, Let's move on to story number two, and that is... Couple tidbits about Super Showdown. Number one, Shawn Michaels and Kane being added into the Triple H Undertaker match, where Shawn Michaels is in Triple H's corner and Kane is in Undertaker's corner. Now, ever since Shawn Michaels did the segment on Raw, people have been speculating if Shawn Michaels is going to wrestle the Undertaker at WrestleMania or at the uh, uh, at the Crown Jewel show, if it's going to turn into a tag match, it whatever. I don't think that any of this is setting up a Shawn Michaels t- return necessarily. You know, I think that I, I I think that the Shawn Michaels segment on Raw, it was just people want to see a Shawn Michaels return so much that it almost, and to some extent did, overshadow what it was actually supposed to do, which is just sell you on the fact that Triple H versus Undertaker is a big deal, and that's because Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker is arguably a bigger deal. Some people argue that Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker is the greatest WWE match of all time because of WrestleMania, and I'm not even talking about young Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker. I'm talking about the end. I'm talking about WrestleMania 25-26, that Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker is... The best match in the WWE's history. So, of course, people are going to want to see that match again. And, you know, I, I don't I, I don't think... I don't think if Sean comes back, that's the match that he does, but he might. I mean, if Sean does come back for one more match, it's going to be a match that, like, it has to be good. He has to trust his opponent, so maybe these guys trust each other. Maybe that could happen. I still don't think it's going to happen. You know, I think if Shawn Michaels comes back for one more match, I still, my vote is strongly in the corner of doing a Shawn Michaels Tommaso Ciampa match. That's the match I think Shawn should come back for if he comes back for one more match. Um, 
I don't think there's going to be a Sean Undertaker match. I don't think this is leading to anything between Sean and The Undertaker. I think this is all just hype for the Super Showdown show in Australia, which is fine. I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, I think that it, it certainly adds a lot of star power to the match. I, I do wonder what they're going to do in Tennessee when their mayor is in Australia with a big red mask on, but cool to see Kane there. I do hope Kane comes out old school. Part of me wants to see Kane come out like, you know, Bad Blood Kane, 1997 Kane. That's what I want to see Kane come out as, you know, to really honor that old thing. I certainly, I, I he'll probably come out in his newest attire, but he will certainly be masked because I don't think anybody wants to see Corporate Kane come out with The Undertaker. He wants to see Brothers of Destruction Kane come out with The Undertaker. But I think it adds a lot to it, even if it's not setting up for a Shawn Michaels match. You know, what are the entrances going to be like? Does Shawn get an entrance? I, it'll probably be, here's what I think. Kane gets an entrance, then Sean gets an entrance, then Hunter gets an entrance, then Undertaker gets an entrance. And seeing all that back-to-back-to-back-to-back is going to make you feel like it's an even bigger deal. Now, we talked about AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe being added to that show as a no-disqualification match. The other match that was added to that show is Daniel Bryan versus The Miz with the winner getting a title opportunity at the WWE Championship. So, you guys know that I booked... Daniel Bryan and The Miz to perfection a while ago, right? And it all ended in a culmination with the world title, WWE Championship, Miz versus Daniel Bryan with Miz as champion. I still think Miz needs to be champion. However, I would not be at all surprised. And you got to give me a week. I will make my full uh, uh, Super Showdown predictions probably next week on the podcast. Um... But I would not be at all shocked if Daniel Bryan wins the match at Super Showdown. And I'll tell you why. Number one, you got a stadium full of people, international show. You want a babyface reaction. You know, you got to imagine Roman Reigns is going to beat Brock Lesnar. That's a babyface reaction, so maybe you'll have it there. Uh, who knows what's going to happen between AJ and Samoa Joe. But if you have AJ and Roman winning their title matches... Um, Technically, you've got your babyface reaction, so you might not need it from Daniel Bryan. However, I just worry sometimes, and maybe I shouldn't be making predictions anymore, because I worry sometimes that it gets out there, right? Like, you know, the prediction gets made, it gets out there. And I've heard now, since I've made that prediction, I'm not saying I came up with it, but since I made that prediction, or since I did that fantasy booking, I've heard other shows say, this is what you clearly need to do. And when I hear that coming from everywhere, I go, if the WWE likes to do one thing, it's the one thing you didn't think was going to happen. I could see Samoa Joe winning against AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan finally beating The Miz, Samoa Joe beating Daniel Bryan at Survivor Series or Crown Jewel. I think, yeah, Crown Jewel is before Survivor Series. So here's, in my mind right now, today, and I could change all this next week. Here's what I would have happen. Because everybody's talking about Daniel Bryan uh, losing to The Miz again. So let's throw everybody for a loop. Daniel Bryan beats The Miz at Super Showdown. Becomes, you know, the next in line for title opportunity. Um, Samoa Joe beats AJ Styles. Now you're on to something. Okay, so you're not doing the big babyface versus babyface AJ Styles-Daniel Bryan match. But Samoa Joe's got the WWE Championship. We go to Crown Jewel a month later. 
It's Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe. Daniel Bryan loses to Samoa Joe. Because if, if Daniel Bryan wins that number one contendership, then you're left going like, oh my God, what happens next? Which is kind of what WWE wants. They don't want you to be able to forecast these stories, uh, you know, miles out. So Daniel Bryan loses to Samoa Joe. You might even have some interference from The Miz, but I don't necessarily think that you need it. Samoa Joe retains. He goes on to Survivor Series. AJ gets his rematch, but The Miz earns his way into a triple threat. So at Survivor Series, it's now a triple threat between AJ, Samoa Joe, and The Miz. The Miz pins AJ Styles in that match. The Miz becomes the WWE champion in that match at Survivor Series. Now Samoa Joe is in a rage because he didn't win. Now Samoa Joe, because uh, he didn't get beat, right? So we're going to do a heel versus heel thing, and Samoa Joe is actually going to kind of become a babyface for a little bit in the sense that we're going to have sympathy for him. Samoa Joe is going to fight The Miz in December. The Miz is going to cheat to win. Samoa Joe is going to move on to fight The Miz again at the Royal Rumble. The Miz is going to win again. AJ Styles is going to enter the Royal Rumble to get back what's his, and then we need to figure out who's going to win the Royal Rumble. AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan. We still get to the Royal Rumble with The Miz as champion. But now the conversation is, who wins the Royal Rumble? Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles? And you know who wins the Royal Rumble? Some dude from Raw. And we go, what? A Raw superstar wins the Royal Rumble. We'll figure all that out later, setting up the universal title match. Maybe it's a Brock Lesnar win. Who knows? Then, at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan fight to see who's going to be the number one contender. And I think at that point, You'll be so mixed up in between who's who that we will actually be able to have a conversation. If Miz beats Daniel Bryan at Super Showdown, we will all be able to clearly see where this is going from now until WrestleMania. That's not what WWE wants. If Daniel Bryan beats The Miz, everything is mixed up. And I've just took you on a road that will lead us to February where we will now discuss who's going to win. AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan, which is the match that we want to see at WrestleMania? And we can figure it out then. But that's what I see for Super Showdown. If you ask me today, Bryan beats The Miz then at Super Showdown, but he loses against Samoa Joe, who wins the championship, only to lose a triple threat match, even though he was never beat. And The Miz picks up the championship at Survivor Series. Hey! I'm just one man. Who knows? Story number one this week is Brock is back. Brock made his return at, uh, and we've, you know, we've gotten there. By the way, Red Hell in a Cell, huh? If this show had been done uh, over the weekend, it's all we would have been talking about. Um, I'll tell you this about the Red Hell in a Cell because we didn't get to it earlier. Uh, I think it looks less dangerous because it looks like a WWE property in that uh, it's something the WWE made. So to me, it looks less familiar, which to me makes it look a little less dangerous. But, you know, whatever. We'll, maybe we'll talk about it more next week. Story number one, Brock Lesnar returns. Uh, I thought the Brock Lesnar return was great because people didn't expect it. You know, there were rumblings online that Brock was backstage at this pay-per-view. I think that they let that leak on purpose. I think most things that leak on the internet are leaked on purpose. 
But I think that that was leaked on purpose so that people would tune in uh, and be like, no way. Um, you know, a lot of people were acting as if after Brock lost at SummerSlam, he was gone from WWE. And I think that WWE wanted to implant that in your brain. I think for the first time, we don't really know what Brock Lesnar's contract status is. Even Dave Meltzer was saying that, like, I think. Man, I, mean, I don't want to cite Dave Meltzer because I don't know for sure. And I feel like I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any ill will toward Dave Meltzer. I don't want to uh, cite him. But I think there, there were dirt sheet reports that Brock Lesnar was leaving after SummerSlam. And clearly that's not true. You know? And I, I don't think Brock Lesnar is leaving anytime soon. You know, his, his schedule might be a little bit even more touch and go here and there. We never know when he's going to show up, but I think that that'll be better for the Brock Lesnar character. You truly never know when he's going to show up. Um, you know, maybe he's just back for this one match, right? Maybe they just wanted something huge for the Saudi show and they wanted to put this on. Keep in mind, the last time we left Saudi, Brock Lesnar beat Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman ended the show holding a big green championship title up in the air. So it could happen, but I think it's a good thing. I think that it adds unpredictability to the show, and it lets us know that at any moment, Brock could be back. Uh, Crown Jewel, it's amazing. Because I, I had heard that this might be happening, that there was a early November Saudi show that was in the works. And uh, uh, I kind of was like, you know, doing it in my head. I'm going, so now... The idea of it, and it actually is happening. We're now in a position where on Monday Night Raw and, and Tuesday SmackDown, SmackDown Live, we are promoting, we are selling people on Super Showdown, Evolution, and Crown Jewel. I'll tell you this. Anybody that has to do those network sales where they go subscribe now because it's free for new subscribers, as of the beginning of October, as of Super Showdown, this is an easy sell. You get Super Showdown and Crown Jewel and Evolution all in one technically calendar month. Unbelievable. It's going to be interesting to see how they promote that, but maybe this is what the new face of WWE looks like. Just content, 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 content. You know, I think it's, uh, I think it'll be interesting, you know, as it pans out, as the weeks go on. I think, you know, it's, Clearly strategic in the sense that Evolution and uh, uh, Crown Jewel can be promoted separately because clearly different superstars are going to be at the two shows, right? Like, the men aren't going to be at Evolution. So when we watch Raw and we see Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman telling a story, this is going to be settled at Crown Jewel. When we see Alexa Bliss and uh, uh, Nia Jax, or whoever it is, you know, I'm just using women as an example, tell a story, this is going to be settled at Evolution. You know, I, I think that, that in that sense, the storytelling is going to be much easier than it normally would if you've got two big shows a week apart. But you got to tip your hat to just the level of production that the WWE is able to pull off. It's mind-blowing that they're able to do as much as they're able to do. I mean, I, I can't imagine being a member of the WWE crew, the behind-the-scenes crew, the people that, that, that make all these shows. It's more nonstop than it ever has been, but for a fan, it's as good as it ever has been because there's just so much stuff. It's, I love it. I love it. More better. More is better. And I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, if you feel like more is better and you want more content from Not Sam Wrestling, 
then hit us up on Patreon. Become a Not Sam Show at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. We will see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Toodaloo, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam.